Scientologist, when you drive past an accident, it's not like anyone else. As you drive past, you know you have to do something about it because you know you're the only one that can really help. Stepping over a line now. Okay. You're stepping over a line. You know you are. I'm just telling you right now. Put your manners back in. You're not shutting this movie down! Show me the money! Well, right. Top Gun coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevening. Hello, everybody. Welcome on. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that person is Tommy. Tommy, just never seen Top Gun, huh? What did you think about the theme to Top Gun? Uh, Yeah, so that was a great uh, opening little uh, bit we did right there. But uh, this is the first time on the podcast where, um, you know, when I wonder why haven't I seen this movie and I think I knew the answer. I think the answer was I knew that I wasn't going to like this. And I didn't really like Top Gun. Spoiler for the end of the show. But yeah, uh, I thought it was a mediocre movie. So, uh, but we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. Yeah, I surprised yeah. <laughs> Tom. I just kept telling Tommy that I had the opening covered and I did not tell him what I was going to do with it. I had Ryan help out, just like give me like tips on like where to make some cuts and stuff on the sound to keep it short. But yeah, so please, please, please subscribe on spotify and apple Podcasts. leave a five-star review you can follow us on twitter and instagram at scenic pod here's top gun top gun it's about getting the chance i'm gonna send you up against the best yes sir you don't own that plane the taxpayers do going the distance you need to be doing it better and cleaner than the other guys and being the best Make us proud. You are America's best. Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis, Top Gun. Rated PG. Special sneak preview Saturday, May 10th. Check newspapers for showtimes and theaters. I don't think you can really check papers for showtimes and theaters anymore. But oh, no, that's still definitely a thing. <laughs> is it? I don't know. They yeah, yeah. Th- th- your, gra- your uh, grandparents still exist. I mean, they're still out there. People in their 60s well, and 70s. <laughs> no, uh... Yeah, but like the the Daily News like cut like three fourths of a staff. If you picked up an, a Daily newspaper lately, it's like twenty pages. It's very thin. I think a lot of papers have cut that out. To be completely honest, because the internet has made that information so readily available. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, I, I still think if I went to my grandma's and saw a newspaper, they'd probably have one least little section as the movie phone rubber. <laughs> uh, going on, <laughs> maybe, maybe, but this is top gun we are covering it because top gun maverick is coming out this friday tomorrow when you're listening to this podcast which i am super excited for i'm very disappointed tommy has responsibilities and just can't bail on them to go see top gun with me on opening yeah, night. i know i know uh, what a like, how nerd dare, how, how dare i have to work a show but um 
So it is one of those things, you know, uh, we're going to see Top Gun 2 eventually. Um, I mean, now that I've seen Top Gun 1, I'm like, do I, do I really want to see Top Gun 2? But that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> from, well, from the early reviews, they're saying that it's better than Top Gun. And I'm talking about like the guys that did Blank Check said that it was one of the best blockbusters they've seen in years. Okay. Because so, you're, yeah. you're getting like the footage is now Tom Cruise flying the jet. It's not a stunt anymore. It is footage of him flying the thing. <laughs> It's kind of funny that Tom Cruise at this point, like in his like uh, like his late late career, is just like fuck it, you know, put me on the side of a plane. I'm gonna hold on for dear life. Tom, just Tom, go for it, Tommy. <laughs> I, I have to put a disclaimer out there. We're gonna bury the lead. We're burying Tom Cruise a little bit for a little bit later because I think we need to, to have a, a a little bit of a discussion about Tom Cruise because he is maybe the most interesting person still in Hollywood by a mile. He is just fat. I'm fascinated with Tom Cruise and his entire career. He's one of the guys still today that could literally just open up a movie uh, alone just on his name. And oh, I, top, top Gun Maverick is yeah. the best example of that. Yeah, I, This movie just on a rewatch for me, I, I just I had remembered my I haven't seen it in over 10 years, probably since early middle school, high school. So maybe 10, 15 years at this point. This movie just rocks. It's just a dude's rock movie rocks movie <laughs> there it's very weird there's like no stakes at all in it maverick and goose are the only care and kelly mcgillis uh, charlie are the only ones that really get any kind of characterization yeah essentially like uh val kimmer um uh, for example as the iceman who is one of these characters i thought he was gonna be so important and like, i guess he is to an extent but really his character is just one note and his one note is hey tom cruise you're not so fucking hot are you why don't you go fuck yourself, Tom Cruise? My takeaway was Val <laughs> Kilmer was right the entire movie. He yeah. was <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Correct the entire time. Like, hey man, you can't be that reckless. We're flying air jets, like, like jets. We cannot just fuck around and do whatever the hell we want. Like, you have to follow these protocols. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And Tom Cruise is like, yeah, I am dangerous. It's it's usually it's usually in the movies where like I slide off the guy who's breaking the rules and stuff like that. Like oh like he's the guy I should uh, follow. But this time it was like okay like you know Cap Iceman has a point. Tom Cruise you're you're just too much. <laughs> yeah, and this movie is just filled with so many eighties cliches. It it is just it it's so eighties. It's so of its time. But I I do think I think the air sequences hold up. They're just like getting that kind of footage of of fighter jets is not easy and i think it's compelling there's definitely issues there's warts mm. on this movie that's for certain but i think overall i just enjoyed watching the movie it was just i just had fun watching it i didn't um, need the inv- i didn't need the investment because i knew it w- it wasn't there and i didn't let it bother me i i, I guess that this is my first watch and um you know expectations play uh, obviously a huge part of your first watch until you can accept the movie for what it is but you know i, I want to pull up roger ebert's uh, review uh, of this movie which he gave 2.5 out of uh, five and he pretty much just said that like you know essentially with the movie the fact is is that like this movie just is content to recycle old cliches and convention about countless other war movies like wouldn't you know that for example a maverick's commanding officer at the fine school is the only man who knows what happened to his kid's father in Vietnam. And are we surprised when uh, Maverick's best friend dies in his arms? Is there any sense of Maverick going to um, undergo any suspense as Maverick undergoes an obligatory crisis of conscious, wondering where, whether he can even fly again? He's just like, okay, yeah, he's great. It kind of plays just like, this is a very familiar story. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Of course it is, but it's just, it's fun. It's just a lot of fun. And Goose's death is so foreshadowed. This is the first scene where you're just like, this man's gonna die. You know, when I first realized that going to Top Gun, all I could think about was getting that trophy. I gotta be straight with you, Mav. Right now, I just hope we graduate. I got a family to think about. I can't afford to blow this. I guess that flyby wasn't such a big hit, huh? Look, man, I know it's tough for you. They wouldn't let you in the academy because you're Duke Mitchell's kid. And you have to live with that reputation. But it's like every time we go up there, it's like you're flying against a ghost. It makes me nervous. You're the only family I've got. I'm not gonna let you down, I promise. You just know right there and then. <laughs> that man is so dead. Tom Cruise is going to somehow fuck up and like uh, cause this man's death. <laughs> well, well, I think I actually think they handled that well. Tom Cruise didn't fuck up despite his reputation. The the plane malfunctioned. They got to jet stream in the in the engine. I had actually when I was watching it, I went back and I was like, wait, did he do something reckless? Because in my opinion, it was more on Iceman because he just kept on wanting to take that shot. And Tom Cruise was like, no, go, go, go. And then yeah. they were just in front of the, the other jet so long that it that it got caught in the engine, the stream from the other jet. Like if ice had moved five seconds earlier, maybe that doesn't happen. Obviously the movie needs that to happen because nothing happens in this movie. I, yeah. I, I mean, that, that nothing happens back. in this movie. That's, that's a, that's a part of the problem I've had of this movie. That a lot of this, I was just kind of bored where I was just, even like during the aerial stuff, I was like, cool. Yeah. Fighter jets like going in the air. That's awesome. But like nothing really thrilling is happening, you know? And you think of, um, you know, granted, this movie obviously is based in reality. Um, so, you know, you no, have to it's play. No, it's not. To an extent, in terms of like the military and like equipment and stuff like that. Oh, but, like, oh, for... oh, yes, yes. They used. Yeah. Uh, well, this was this movie had a $15 million budget and yeah. clearly got funding from the United States military to make this movie as a propaganda film to join the Air Force, even though pretty much everybody who watches the movie has 0% shot of ever getting to that point. But they're like, oh no, you can enlist in the Navy. Enlist in the Navy. Uh, it was to the point that literally after the film's release, the number of young men who joined uh, wanting to be in the na- Navy was went up by 500%. And literally they had like r- recruitment, um, like literally outside of like the screenings where people would be like, Oh, have you seen Top Gun stuff like that? I'm like, oh, like just playing Danger Zone at the little like recording booth. <laughs> I couldn't find anything that confirmed it, but I know there's a thing that at Top Gun now you cannot if you say the words Maverick Goose. If you say any of the quotes from the movie, you're gone. Like they just will not tolerate it. Oh, I heard something that you're gone. I heard that's more so that you get fined like five bucks or whatever. Oh, is, is that what it is? That probably makes yeah, a little sense. minor. But so um, I, I showed you a little video on YouTube earlier where literally the Navy, like a year later after this movie, this came out in 86 and in 87, the Navy had a recruitment video that was like a TV ad. And literally throughout the video, it uh, the song that's playing throughout the ad is just like a ripoff of what's called Danger Zone. <laughs> where literally like, it's like one of those things where it's just like, this kind of sounds like Danger Zone, but it's just like slightly different enough to avoid the copyright infringement, I guess. 
And then just like, it was literally just like the opening of this movie, which is just like the planes flying by to like the Kenny Long is a knockoff in this case from Navy hat. <laughs> so they, they knew what they're getting in this movie. <laughs> this, this movie is, I just, I just think it's fun. I don't know. It's not, uh, is this a work of art? No. I think what the sequel, it sounds like the sequel has done in comparison to this movie is take the awesome effects and actually put stakes on them and give you a reason to give a shit when somebody dies. Like have a story where it's just like literally like in the final scene when like, you know, people are going down, like uh, I think it was one character went down and it was like, Oh, Hollywood. Hollywood. But Hollywood was on the, the flyer at like the fighter jet afterwards. Well, exactly. And even when they said like, Oh, Hollywood's down. I was like, who the fuck is Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't establish a ton of characters. I mean, you got to admit, at least Goose's death it hit. You know, like Goose, yeah. Goose is the heart and well, soul of this movie. Goose was one of the like three characters that actually had anything to do in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It, also, I wanted to mention it because you mentioned the end scene with with uh, Viper telling Tom Cruise what happened to how his father actually died heroically, yeah. which is confidential, even though all he told them was that he died heroically trying to save other fighters. And then, because t- this is when Tom Cruise is thinking about leaving Top Gun after Goose's death, he's lost his edge. And he goes to see Viper after Kelly McGillis goes and it's like, oh, I guess you're a quitter, huh? What, what are you going to do? And he, you know, he has no idea. And he goes there and they, Viper just walks with him, gives him this information unrequested, by the way. And then he goes, what's on your mind, son? I'm like, the, the sequencing of this is completely off. It should have been, what's on your mind, son? Have that conversation. And Tom Cruise maybe leaning towards leaving. And then you go, you know, I shouldn't tell you this. It's confidential, but I think you need to know and then deliver that line. Like the yeah. sequencing of it is so off, but I think the warts of it is almost what gives it its charm because it has very little stakes. One of my favorite little warts of this movie was apparently during the scene in the elevator of Kelly McGinnis and um, Tom Cruise. But, uh, Tommy, um, I need to I need to interrupt you there. You said Kelly McGinnis. It's McGillis. McGillis. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise, as I was saying, they, when they're in that elevator scene, what you can tell is that like Kelly McGillis's hair is different. She's a brunette in that scene because yeah. they're uh, she was filming another movie at the time when the reshoots happened, and in that other movie, her hair was required to be a brunette. So when I was watching this at first, I was just like, "Is like Tom Cruise like hitting on some like random woman, like some random like secretary we haven't seen before in this movie?" Is this is the introduction of a new character, and it took me like a minute. Thomas realized, I was like, oh, wait, no, this is Kelly McGill. So they just like didn't care about the continuity. And they're like, oh, we put a cap on her. And like, I guess people like, oh, hide your hair a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they put a cap on her. It's the only time she wears a hat. I, I will yeah. say, I do think her and Cruz had very good chemistry. And a lot of times in these kind of movies, like if they didn't have chemistry, this movie would be a bigger, much bigger mess of a movie. Well, it's good on screen they did because off screen they fucking hated each other. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not, especially when you like learn more about Kelly McGillis. Like she was, she was raped in her apartment. She she had her oh, house like burnt down. Yeah, she's lived like a very hard life. So I could imagine why she would not respond super well to Tom Cruise, who we will, we will cover Tom Cruise. Do not worry, folks. We, yeah. we are going <laughs> to discuss Tom Cruise in detail. But I, I thought they had very good on-screen chemistry. And I, I think that kind of carried it because there's a point where it's just like he's in the class and then it's 30 minutes of them just establishing their relationship. 
that that that's that's like the movie and then goose dies and then tom cruise has an existential crisis and then he saves Iceman at the end. That's the movie. Well, well. Also, it, it was kind of funny that like you know a lot of the movie highlights the romance of them, and then like pretty much in the last like third of the movie, Kelly McGillis is nowhere to be seen. You almost like wish that like she'd be in like the control room or something, you know, to be like dramatic stakes of it. But like I, I don't even remember if, it, if she was in the end of the movie, other than like that one last scene in the bar where it's just like, oh yeah, let's let's remember she's here right here. <laughs> she uh, she drops Tom Cruise off when he goes to see. Uh, Meg Ryan, who's Goose's wife. It's very funny, no one... the timing of this movie, because those roles would have been completely swapped if this movie came out two years later. Yeah, I had no idea that Meg Ryan was even in this movie. when I, like, I completely when I saw the... forgot she was in this movie, and I'm like, Meg, Meg Ryan's in this? What? What? And, then she's and it's crazy. Like... Yeah, well, she's only in like two scenes, but it's crazy when I, when I saw the credits, and it was like, co-starring Meg Ryan, and I was like, what? <laughs> this came out of nowhere. You know, one of the things I think does carry this movie, at least for me, Yes, the script is a giant mess, but I think visually, like the storytelling and just like the the sequences and the scenes, not even the action, but just the interactions are so memorable. Just the way it's like sequenced and shot, like the take my breath away scene where him and Charlie make love, like with the and like the blue light and them coming down, like like that is iconic. Iceman just like locking his jaws at, at uh, Maverick going, like just chomping like there's just so many iconic like little sequences um meg ryan just touching his face like just like looking at him or when he takes the takes goose's tags and throws them in the ocean like it's 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 false symbolism i understand what it is i'm just saying like visual it it is visually compelling the story and the script just just does not match what you're actually seeing because it's the, the visuals are engaging, in my opinion. And that's really what carries for the, the story. Ironically, like, um, well, first of all, I want to touch upon this. Uh, I think Meg Ryan would have liked those fucking dog attacks. Uh, Tom Cruise, you fucking asshole. Yeah, she might she, she might have. <laughs> she she might have been like, after like, so like, what did you do with those dog tags I gave you, Tom? And she's like. <laughs> well, I, I so from what I gather from the trailer of Maverick, uh, Miles Teller is going to play. Uh, goose's kid that kid is that kid that kid is dying it's not even it's not even a question of a doubt it it (laughs) it is inevitable that that he is dying in this movie i would imagine like the emotional the emotional climax of the movie is just like for years i always wanted my dad's dog tags (laughs) i was told that you threw him in the fucking ocean like a goddamn asshole well i mean the the symbolic (laughs) message is that Goose would want him to move on, so he has to move on. So throwing away Goose is giving him the separation. Goose G- Goose Jr. is dying in this movie, it, and he's probably going to be called Goose Jr. Let's be real here. Goose, <laughs> but L- little Goose. What's what's a is a baby Goose? Is there a specific name for it? <laughs> I I don't. I'm not looking it up. I don't like to try to look up this information. I will let you know. Don't look it up, Tommy. Don't tell me. I'm going to edit it out if you do. Do not. It's a do it's n- a gosling. <laughs> it's is it is that what it's called? Is that it's what his called name a is? Oh, what a goose! So, is, oh, I thought you were looking up what Miles Taylor's character's like call name is. No, 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 no. A, b- a baby goose is called a gosling. So. Oh, oh, okay. I thought I we were having two different conversations here. Yeah, no, 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 no. Baby goose is called a gosling, so that's what uh, Miles Taylor should be called in the new movie. It's probably Which, by the way, what are you going to be called? 
they're hiding the fact that Miles Teller's in this movie, by the way. It's a, apparently he was canceled and I didn't hear about it. Yeah, it, it is what it is. That's fine. If we're going to talk about performances, can we talk about the best performance in this movie? Tommy, do you know who the best Shh. performance in this movie is? I don't know. It is James Tolkien as Stinger. And you best know him as the bald guy in all these 80s movies, especially from Back to the Future. Maverick, you just did an incredibly brave thing. What you should have done was land your plane. You don't own that plane, the taxpayers do. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. You've been busted. You lost your qualifications as section leader three times, put in hack twice by me with a history of high-speed passes over five air-controlled towers and one admiral's daughter. Penny Benjamin. And you, asshole, you're lucky to be here. Thank you, sir. And let's not bullshit, Maverick. Your family name ain't the best in the Navy. You need to be doing it better and cleaner than the other guy. Now, what is it with you? Just want to serve my country, be the best fighter pilot in Navy, sir. Don't screw around with me, Maverick. You're a hell of an instinctive pilot. Maybe too good. I'd like to bust your butt, but I can't. I got another problem here. I got to send somebody from this squadron to Miramar. I got to do something here. I, I, I still can't believe it. I got to give you your dream shot. I'm going to send you up against the best. You two characters are going to Top Gun. I, I love James Tolkien so much. I'm not even going to look it up. I hope he just is still like he's 89 years old or whatever, just chomping a cigarette on some boat in the Indian Ocean. Just, you know, Mav Jr., your ego's writing checks. Your body just can't cash. Like, what a line. What a what a line, huh? He's he's still, kick, he's still kicking, but uh, it was one of those things when, when this part happened, I was almost thinking, like, I wish that this was, like, the start of a very zany, like, fucking, like, uh, like back to school, almost like comedy. Yeah. Or just like the hijinks of like Maverick and Goose and like stuff like that. Right? Well, kind this, of is. It, it, and there, it, it the, kind it's, of. It's definitely tonally a mess because like, sorry, if Maverick did the flyby that he did, he's out of the military. It, it, not not a not a. You're getting a warning, son. It's a, no 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 no. You are you disobeyed orders. You're you are out of the military. Um, yeah. I actually watched a behind the scenes on the making of Top Gun. It's like three hours. I got like an hour and a half into it. They were talking with like they had like the military production guys that came in and the and like the producers talking about it. It was very funny how the military guys were basically bitching the entire time, like, no, 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 that's not accurate. That's not accurate. And Tony Scott's like, okay, we'll do it your way. And then they watched it their way. They're like, oh, that's kind of boring. Yeah, we'll do it your way. Like the hang, like the first scene in the hangar where they're doing the lesson. They're like, "No, no, no, we would never have a lesson on the hangar." It's like, bro, it's a, it's a movie. He was like, he, he even conceded like, if if we did it my way, this movie would be a documentary and it would not have hit theaters. Um, I, I do love like the amount of commitment that Tony Scott had towards this movie, where he was just like a total like fuck you uh, energy right there. Oh, where t- um. Tony yeah. Scott's great. Very, very underrated director. Um, his one of his last movies, Unstoppable. I love that movie. Uh, I it was recommended on, uh, on rewatchables by Tarantino. He said it was one of his ten favorite movies of the past decade. If you haven't seen Unstoppable, it's great. Make sure you go watch it. 
But uh, I want to tell some story, uh, speaking of Tony Scott, um, kind of related to this, uh, where during one particular filming sequence, the ships, uh, they basically were on like a Navy ship and there's a ship commanding officer and the ship's commanding officer uh, changed the ship's course, thus changing the light. And Scott asked if they could continue on their previous course and speed. He was informed by the commander that it cost 25 grand, which would be about 63K today, uh, to turn the ship and to continue on the course. So Scott right there just wrote the captain a 25K check. Uh, so the ship could be turned and continue shooting the, for another five minutes. That <laughs> is total king shit. So, that is king shit right there. This movie's the epitome <laughs> of Dude's Rock. I'm sorry. That, that yeah. is just what this movie is. It, it, Dude's <laughs> Rock. It, it, that's what this movie yeah. is. Um, just volleyball. Yeah, that's all ball. you need. Yeah. Pl- I'm a player with the boys. Uh, so <laughs> one of the things... So we got to touch into the soundtrack because I think the soundtrack carries a lot of weight for this movie. Carries a lot of weight. Like I did not I, realize "Take My Breath Away" won an, an Academy Award for best song. Um, yeah, it won so. best original song in a motion picture. But Kenny Loggins, you know, they were all, um, auditioning a bunch of different musical acts to write the music for the song. So Kenny Loggins said they actually went with the approach to go a different route and the initial song he wrote was playing with the boys that was because he was like everybody else is going to make this intense song for to get the pace and the you know think danger zone people are going to just try to make that song yeah to try to get the attention they're like why don't we go the other way this scene is so playful and fun why don't we just make the music for this scene and they they got approved for that and then what kenny Loggins said in this documentary which i had no idea at the 11th hour Toto dropped out of the movie and Toto was going to do the song Danger Zone. And Kenny Loggins got a song, got a call and was like, they were like, yay, we need somebody to fill in. Would you do this song for Top Gun? He was like, yeah, I actually need a rock album for my live, well, rock song for my live show. So that'd be great. Um, he, and he said the vocals where he does like, you know, his vocals are kind of unique in this where he goes like danger zone, like the yeah. way he pitches his stuff. He actually based it on Tina Turner at that era. Like she was doing this like rock bluesy thing, like soulful blues. And yeah. like, the way she was pitching her voice, he actually echoed it because that was what he was listening to over and over and over again. So you have to thank Tina Turner for maybe one of the most iconic original songs ever in a motion picture. One, one thing I love about the uh, soundtrack in general, I think the soundtrack was also my favorite part of the movie, um, is they kept on like reusing like a, two or three of the songs, Danger Zone and um, Take, Take My Breath, Breath Away, Away, to be uh, specific. And you don't really see that that much in movies where like their diet, you know, the original soundtrack or whatever just gets reused over and over and over again. Where like they literally had like, uh, I'm forgetting the exact musical term, but like pretty much just like the preview of "Take My Breath Away" of like just like yeah. the like intro, just a re- like a reprise, just a reprise of it. It's the, just yeah. a small, it's just a small little snippet of the music, and, but it just tells you what's coming. It gives you that tone because you you're getting familiar hmm. with the pattern over and over again. And in the beginning of the movie, with that intro, uh, we kind of did a little bit of intro uh, with our intro, but literally just brings you right into the movie and you're like, i love oh, that i good. love that intro so much that's why i picked that song to do it to do the the opening over because i just i absolutely adored i just i you can put that on and i could run through a brick wall it is just so awesome and it's not I mean, kenny Loggins; it's the film's uh 
uh, the guy who did the, the full the full score, Harold Reitemeyer, I believe his name is. He's the one who actually wrote that song. It's not it's not Kenny Loggins, even though it is very much associated with Kenny Loggins. Yeah, he's pretty much happy for it. <laughs> uh, made his career, I feel like. <laughs> and Top Gun's one of those movies where I think the sequences are parodied. Like I think, uh, I mean, Archer has basically done every sequence shot from Top Gun that is possible. I think of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when they do the Dennis system. They literally just recreate take the the take my breath away romance sequence. Well, I was I was thinking during that scene where I was like, I feel like I've seen this sex scene in like other movies. And um, the other example I can think of, uh, I wasn't even thinking of Always Sunny, but uh, I was also thinking of Team America: World Police. Yes, like the yes. beginning of the puppet sex scene. Yes, it's just pretty much just like a one for one almost at first. <laughs> and I think that's the power of this movie, where just visually, like the parts where the script is just not matching, it's still it's just really engaging filmmaking, and it's a real credit to Tony Scott for having the vision and overcoming what is a bad a bad script. I would call it a bad script. It's not a good script. It's a yeah. bad script. The script is easily the worst part of this movie. So it yeah. just underdeveloped. <laughs> also, Tommy, when are we going to a bar and running the greatest move I've ever seen in my life? Oh, God, dude, I, I, I can't stand that fucking scene. And I have a specific reason for it. Why can't you stand? You've got that love. Because when I when I went to uh, orientation at Quinnipiac, you know, whatever, June of around this time, 10 years ago. During orientation, all the orientation leaders would go up to random students throughout orientation and just start serenading with them with that song. Oh, oh, and oh. it was so painfully cringy. I think that's probably why I haven't seen, uh, why 10 years later, I was like, fuck Top Gun. I don't want to see this movie because <laughs> they just got that in my head where like, literally it was just like throughout the goddamn weekend, just you constantly heard people just you got that loving feeling. I was like, oh, motherfucker. Like, are they doing this again? <laughs> if you're a call, if you run those college admission things, stop. You, these are 18 year old children that are, are like anti cringe. Please yeah. do not run. Like, I know you uh. think it's cute to make a 30 year old reference to a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> It's no, not at that point. Like none of us, everyone was like, "Oh, that's I think that's from that movie Top Gun." <laughs> well, Tommy, I th- I think it's time. Is it time? Yeah, let's do it. I am a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. So before we go into Tom Cruise, because he is the star of this movie, it is his movie. It made him Tom Cruise. This movie. My lawyer actually, our lawyer sent us a letter that I'm I'm going to read um, here. Uh, I agree with you. Scientology is a brainwashing manipulative cult that was only created because L. Ron Hubbard didn't want to pay taxes. It's smart to read a disclaimer to protect yourselves. Oh, Oh, wait, I I don't think I was supposed to read that part. The views expressed on this podcast about the Church of Scientology are opinions. They are based on information found in documentaries, (laughs) articles, and comments from former members. We don't know if this information that has formed said opinions to be 100% true and do not claim it to be so. Yeah, try suing us now. Yeah, we got our our coverage right there. Listen, if you are the Scientology member that is being forced to listen to this podcast, because I'm definitely <laughs> going to tag it hashtag Scientology. Do, do, <laughs> do you think that like there's a guy that like literally is just like you have to cover every single podcast 
that mentions Tom Cruise. Yes, because no, <laughs> dude, dude, they are, dude, they are. Have you ever watched? Did you ever watch Going Clear, the HBO documentary? No, because I knew it'd be depressing. <laughs> it's it's more interesting than I mean, it's a little sad, but it's it's more informative than than sad. It's not like it's not like a rape victim, you know, thing. It's more covering the history of the church church yeah, quote unquote yeah. like they have so they're called sea org members and the point of the sea org is uh when l ron hubbard was could no longer live in the united states because he owed about a billion dollars in taxes to the irs <laughs> uh, he took a boat to the mediterranean and got a bunch of devout scientologists and paid them about a penny a day like literally a Sea Org member makes about $10 a week working uh, for Scientology. So yes, there are people that are probably going to listen to this episode because they have to, they want to protect themselves from any negative thing. Because that's, that's like the whole point of the cult is that you cut yourself off from anyone that says anything bad about Scientology. And if you're associated with somebody that is that, like you become labeled a troubled member and you'll literally get sent to jail. Like they have literal prisons with like physical abuse. It 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 is messed up, and we don't well, need to dive in yeah. into the beliefs. Go watch the clip on South Park. It's the only serious thing they've ever done in their lives. Is we is we that, will, um, that disclaimer because it's so goofy. Yeah, I guess uh, shout out to any Scientologists that are listening right now. So uh, I guess thanks for uh, listening, and we know that this will be your last episode. So if, uh, if you are a Scientologist listening right now, please from the bottom of my heart. I ask you to do one thing for me. Leave whatever room you are in. Run. Run out and don't look back. You have nothing to your name because they underpay you and they brainwash you. (laughs) Leave. Find any internet cafe that still exists. Look up anything about Scientology that they don't let you look at and then realize why I told you to do that. You can thank me. You can thank me on Twitter. Or at Instagram at Scenicpod. That's what you can do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so to get back on track of the cruise of it all, like you said, this movie literally made him because beforehand, you know, the only really, really big movie that he was in where he was the main star was uh, Risky Business at that point. And yeah. even that wasn't like, it made 63 million, which was pretty good. So I guess it was a good. Box this state, made $347 million at that time. Yeah. That is a lot of money. And literally, the funny thing is that the year before this, Tom Cruise was in a Ridley Scott movie as the star called Legend, and that movie bombed at the box office, only grossed $23 million out of $24 million budget. So this really was like kind of like a make or break thing of Tom Cruise, where like if this movie didn't do well. Tom Cruise was a, like didn't commit to this movie right away, but then they took Tom Cruise to like Top Gun, and, and they, he flew in a jet, and he was like, I want to make this movie. And they, wrote, <laughs> and they wrote the movie with him in mind. Like they had him in mind. And this has led us to dwell down the career path of Tom Cruise, arguably the most interesting man. I one of the clips I really wanted to pull was from the Oprah Winfrey show, but like there's nothing to like really pull for like that in, opening intro. But it is one of the most bizarre sequences I've ever seen. I watched about 20 minutes of that thing, and oh my god, it is <laughs> awkward. Do you- did you just go on a YouTube rabbit hole of like crazy Tom Cruise shit? <laughs> he, he, yeah, I went, I went down the, ra- I went deep, and I'm getting suggestions on my YouTube now for for just weird Tom Cruise shit. It's just that and like Christian Bale's outbursts. <laughs> so Tom Cruise, 
because you probably you remember him jumping on the couch what people don't remember is he spends this entire time which if he's on oprah winfrey he's there to promote a movie or a show but i get especially in 2004 tom cruise just promoting himself is probably just good enough to sell whatever movie he's going to be in anyway and tom cruise has always been notoriously very private about his life and he just talks for 40 minutes about katie holmes and she is there in the back and they start chanting her name to come out and tom cruise leaves the set and the cameraman follows him and he he home starts like run away from him and he like chases her like grabs her by the waist and then like kisses her and then they walk out together it is so uncomfortable it is so bizarre he is just a weird man but it's very weird like he is a from his reputation in hollywood is that he is a consummate professional on the set and that meltdown that he had uh, for the new Mission Impossible was about the COVID protocols. And yes, it is funny. And could it have been articulated in a much more efficient way that didn't make Tom Cruise sound like a little diva? Absolutely. But he was 100% right in saying that they're looking at production. Hollywood is looking at productions like this to know that we can film movies in this post-COVID world. You need to keep your mask on. Yeah. His point is correct. The delivery not correct at all terrible way to deliver it but what do you expect from tom cruise like, that's our take on uh, two years old news so not two um, years old that came out that came out a couple months ago that, that wasn't that's not i think that that's like I, I feel like that was during like peak quarantine but, no uh, dude dude that dude that was like that was like i think that was like a, it's like a year but okay yeah. regardless but uh still no no yeah, yeah he wasn't right i do agree with you there um it is kind of funny to see, like, now Tom Cruise is pretty much defaulted into action movie mode. Now, at this point, like, 10 years on, looking at, like, Tom Cruise's uh, pretty much, like, you know, filmography, since 2012 on, every movie has been an action movie. And The Mummy. Spit- the, well, The Mummy is an action horror movie. I mean... <laughs> it, well, it's actually, it's a mess that was made to sell in China, but... It's called a fantasy action... Well, remember how they're going to do the Dark Universe, where it was going to be, like, is that Johnny the- Depp was going to... What's the biggest failure in cinema? Is it the Ghost Corpse Ghostbusters cinematic universe or the Dark Universe? I think, I think they're on equal playing field. I, I no, I, I think it's the the Dark. Uh, yeah, because it just flopped. Universe, it flopped they, so hard. They made a fucking photo shoot. I think it was for a Variety, where it was like Russell Crowe, Tom Cruise, the girl who plays the mummy, and uh, Johnny Depp, and it was all like, "Get ready, because this is the Dark Universe coming." And then the mummy comes out. No one gives a shit about it, and we haven't heard anything. Because <laughs> well, they they make they made that movie with China, especially in mind. And from one of the reviews I read on the movie was they it's so over expository and always reiterating to you what exactly is going on in such a direct way that it's clearly meant for an audience that does not speak English. I had a 16% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, so it's a yikes. Gr- great movie. Um, and I know Canceled. that was that was directed by the legendary hack Alex Kurtzman, who is ruining Star Trek the on, on CBS All Access, or I guess it's Paramount now. And uh, he's the guy who did the stuff, the tr- wrote the Trek movies. I think he was involved in a couple of the DC ones, or one of his writing partners was he involved wrote- in Batman v Superman. <laughs> 
he wrote uh, Transformers, um, the and Star Trek reboot, and Amazing Spider-Man too. So I mean, like, so all the movies, real, like, real, real, real high credentials. Although I will say, I do enjoy that first Star Trek reboot. It is a fun little action movie. It's not yeah, that good, was a good movie. It's not a good Star Trek movie. It's not a good Star Trek movie because Star Trek is about discovery and exploration. It's a fun blockbuster. It's a fun blockbuster. I but to, on Tom Cruise though, he basically has spent the rest of his career just just being like oh i'm a weirdo scientologist and his napoleon complex just came out it's well it's it's marvelous it is it is so marvelous that he's just like don't forget that i'm five foot four okay i fly jets i drive motorcycles i have licenses for x y and z vehicles it's almost like jackass (laughs) yeah I do all my own stunts and stuntmen in Hollywood fucking hate me because I take their jobs, especially the short guys, because I'm the last short leading man in the history of Hollywood. What's so fucking funny is that during the filming of this movie, Top Gun, um, the producers were so freaked out about Kelly McGinnis. She's like 5'10", and Tom Cruise, what, like 5'7", 5'6"? He's he's short. During... their scenes together tom cruise had to wear special cowboy boots that were he, like he had, plat- he had platforms yeah platform pl- yeah platform cowboy boots on and Tom mcginnis had to uh wear a be barefoot because uh just to be in the same height level as tom cruise. <laughs> so, oh here here's another interesting tidbit from the uh the behind the scenes documentary val kilmer who i'm very upset about val kilmer his career and the fact that he got throat cancer and he can't act. If you haven't seen his documentary that's on Amazon Prime, it's fantastic, very soulful. It made me really appreciate Val Kilmer more as an actor. Definitely go see that. But he said in this behind the scenes documentary, he said, if you look at the volleyball sequence, all the other guys get a close up, except for me. Like they get a focus on their body. And I like that they had goose on a shirt. They're like, you're not good looking enough. You have to wear a little tank top on. <laughs> come on, t- come you're on. not shredded enough to do this. And he thinks that Tom Cruise, I mean, it, it sounded like it was kind of in jest because what Tony Scott told Val Kilmer is that, that the footage was cooked. So basically sitting in the sun, it was either overexposed or too underexposed and they couldn't get the lighting right on the film. And he thinks that Tom Cruise did that because he didn't want, his body to be compared next to Val Kilmer's body. And Val Kilmer just ends it with like, I was looking good that day. <laughs> <laughs> just the immediate confidence of just like, fuck this guy. He knows what was going on. And then uh, the goose, it was just like Anthony Edwards, keep a shirt on, like put on a sweater, maybe even too. <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> were like, they were like, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not ripped enough for that. But uh, listen, <laughs> t- Top Gun is when people have said it's the best movie ever made and the worst movie ever made. I kind of get it. You know, because yeah. it's just it's so it's so unbalanced. It's horribly unbalanced. But I think the action sequences are really engaging. I was I was actually really impressed with how it looked for how I remembered. Because when you compare it to a lot of other '80s action sequences that rely fully on miniatures and a lot of practical effects, like they look good. But you can you especially now in the age of CG and effects just advancing so far, it, for I think for people our age, it, it makes some of it a little more noticeable to be miniatures and things i was very 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 impressed at how good and how like well choreographed the the dog fighting sequences were i gotta admit i gotta rewatch this movie because 
I couldn't follow those fucking action sequences for the fucking life of me. I was like, which which plane is which? Like, which one's the enemy fighter? Which one's the fucking main fighter? I mean, like, it wasn't, like, distinguished enough for me where I was able to tell, like, which one was going where. <laughs> also, one of my favorite parts at the end of the movie is um, when they land and, and Stinger goes to Tom Cruise. He's like, how does it feel to be on the front page of every paper in the United States? You took down the opposing force. I'm like, oh, they can't say the Russians because they don't <laughs> want to start an international conflict because the military is funding this movie. <laughs> they literally don't distinguish who the enemy is. And like, if that's happened, actually, that would have started a war. And a little mission like that would not have been on the newspaper across the country. I can guarantee you that <laughs> nobody would have because I, I don't even know what the fucking conflict was at the end right there there was no like, there uh, was that no, they just needed something to happen <laughs> it was it was just so weird it was like the movie literally ran out of plot where it's like okay they're graduating now and like oh here's the mission like hey here you go like here's some random bullshit you have to do now it's just like okay it just felt so contracted it's so worse oh, because it was <laughs> you have to you uh, for me it's uh, you just have to lean into it it, it is what it is and it's uh, it's blatantly unapologetic about it in my opinion the movie is mm. so it's just it does not try to hide what it is but i think tony scott as a filmmaker is able to really get over a, a bad script it's 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 we said it before but it's it's a bad script and tony scott is able to make the boring dialogue interesting and i and also i think the really corny dialogue and the one-liners just it works in this movie it just does it does. I, maybe not for you, but it works for me. I, I, I find I, some, I, some did. I find it charming. What you didn't find, we got the need for speed. I honestly had to look that clip up on YouTube because I didn't remember it. And then it, apparently it was like this iconic thing. And I was like, wait, like, I don't remember this happening in the fucking movie. So clearly I'm, I'm doing like another rewatch. And I, I was paying attention. This wasn't a movie where I was watching uh, on my phone a lot, but it was still just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Imagine if you tried to watch this on your iPad, you would have you would be giving this a one out of five, Tommy. I mean, I'm not going to give it that much better than that. <laughs> oh, geez. oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So, uh, all right, so well, let's let's move along then. Yeah. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. I I actually think it does because it's so stagnant yeah. that you could just have the fighter pilots be Muppets in there and you just have Tom so, Cruise as there. And imagine yeah, so, him recreating the love scene with Kelly McGillis with the puppet of Miss Piggy. And you just see the wires in the background as she's like lying down onto the bed. And <laughs> yeah. So back, back to the category of like, would this work as a Muppet adaptation? I think no, because this movie isn't almost too cartoony a little bit. Where, like, it would be fucking funny to see, like, just, like, you know, Kermit and, like, if Kermit was dressed up in, like, the World War One or something like that, like, kind of, like, almost like the Snoopy. Thing. Well, I, th- I think he would have to be, he'd have to be Goose. Kermit would be Goose, and then who'd be Maverick? Uh, fucking Tom, Tom Cruise. Is, well, actually, I think, well, actually, no, wait, because we're going to keep, we're going to keep Stinger. The only human in this movie is going to be James Tolkien. <laughs> just and, chewing out the so then, then Kermit would be Maverick. Fozzie would be Fozzie would have to be Goose. That's that's the correct. Well, yeah, yeah, because they're best friends. Yeah, and then you have Piggy as Piggy as Charlie, and then who would be who would be Ice? Ice would be probably Sam the Eagle. Sam the Eagle is just Ice. Sam the Eagle because he's like the hard nose, just like 
you're out of line here. Or Sen Legal would be at least like he'd be this would he'd work. Be stickler. This would work. No, no, we're keep we're keeping Stinger. We're not. I like that you just referred to him as the principal from Back to the Future. He's Stinger in this movie, and he's Principal Strickland or something in in, Strick- the, <laughs> in Back to the Future. I love guy, him guy, in this movie. He's the MVP of the movie for me. He's in it for five minutes, and it and he needed to be in the entire movie. Because it literally was just like, oh, just like a, it's the setup to some zany fucking action comedy that this could have been, a, uh, uh, it could have gone that tone in that area. It was, it was, it, you, it. you couldn't have gone that tone with the U.S. military involvement, in my opinion. Like you're just not, gonna well, the, yeah. you're not going to get the action sequences in a zany comedy. To the point that like they, they didn't even want, uh, they made them change Goose's uh, fucking death scene because they're like, ah, we didn't like that how it goes. Um, well, basically, like it was the movie was originally supposed to. Uh, take place like the dog fight was going to be in international waters in uh, cuba but they're like military's like no 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 they toned down the language because i don't know it's probably like, cursing a lot in this movie in the beginning and yeah so the navy just had like notes and notes and notes and notes and notes <laughs> yeah that's just insane <laughs> that makes sense so tommy review time just tell me why you hate living in general give me your score tell me Basically. what tell me what happened yeah. to you as a child to make you hate fun did not like this movie much. Uh, there's some things to like about this movie. Uh, I'll give a shout out to um, the soundtrack in particular. I did like Goose a lot. I thought Goose was very hilarious. Um, Tom Cruise is fine. And, you know, Val Kilmer is fine, but he's very one note, like I said before. My main problem with the movie is that a lot of the characters in general are very one note and aren't very deep. And All of know, them are one note. Exactly. Exactly. It's one thing that none of the characters, like, really, outside of the three of you know, Tom Cruise, Kelly McGinnis, and Goose. I guess Val Kilmer is a fourth. None of the characters were really like that distinguishable or, or that memorable to the point that it was like during the found dog scene. I didn't even know what the characters were that were in the fight and the villains were underwritten as an understatement <laughs> to the point that I was just like, hey, like, why should I care about this conflict right now? Why should I care about anything that's happening? Because they didn't um, want to start a war, Tommy. That's why they, that's why they, yeah, dude, there's, they could no made distingu- made up. there's no yeah, distinguishing. The, the Indian Ocean is close to where like Russia would operate and like the, but still, right near the Black still, uh, it's still the subtext is there if you if you pick up on it. Yeah, well, well, it's still regardless. It's just like one one of those things that's just like you know the movie had no stakes whatsoever and it wasn't like it, it could have gone to more of like a comedic road or more of like a thriller rap. It was just kind of just like vibes where it's just like all right, whatever. It's kind of boring. Um, and like I said, with the aerial action scenes during any of the train montages, I personally was just bored. I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> and then during the dogfight, I was just like, yeah, like I said, I couldn't distinguish which planes were the freaking bad guys or the good guys. And I was just like, okay, whatever. Let's just move on. <laughs> so I'm going to give this movie, I'm thinking like a two out of five. <laughs> so you're giving it the old Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice review score that's your review on letterbox i have the screenshots to prove it yeah yeah so i'm doing with that i love to just bring that up because i don't know how you give that two stars because i had some stuff i liked some stuff i didn't (laughs) listen i'm not going to give this movie a great score to be completely honest with you i'm going to give it three out of five stars it's it is filled with flaws it is filled with warts but it's got a charm to it and it's got a real vision behind it that what you're hearing doesn't match what you're seeing. And if that script was better, this would have been one of the greatest movies ever made if they actually dove into the characters and 
develop them a little bit and maybe added 10 mm-hmm. minutes to the movie. They didn't do that. They were just like, let's make this fun summer blockbuster. It's engaging. It's fun. It's like it's iconic. It has a lot of iconic and really memorable moments. Is it a good movie? No, it's not a good movie. Is it a fun movie? And is it a lot of fun to watch? In my opinion, yes. Nah. Three out of five. Tommy, is it because there wasn't enough blood? Tommy, you like like the you like the the oh, Friday the Thirteenth. You like you love the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and you're poo pooing on Top Gun, like. Well, yeah, because the Friday Thirteenth movies that's different. They know what they are, and they, this they, movie they, knows they, exactly what it is. I, I I felt this movie just like just uh, it was all over the place for everything. Where it's just like it just had no plot. I don't know. <laughs> this movie just wasn't engaging to me. They, personally. they should I have just... focused more in on the title. Like it should have been a build up to like if you want the title, there's a real mission, and that should have been the that should have been the stakes. Oh of, yeah, of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but I I just love that they were unapologetically like, well, we're getting the U.S. military involved and. This is kind of awesome. So we're going to make this movie and people are going to go see it. Yeah. And it's well, um, getting a sequel 32, 35, 36 years later, whatever the hell it is. 36, uh, 36 years because it's 1986. It I do want to talk about how long it took uh, before we end uh, on this note, how it took 35 years to make the sequel, which is insane. I love they it. Wanted- they wanted to do this uh, movie in like September uh, in like you know the early '90s, but uh, the Tahoe Association in Las Vegas Hilton more than 100 Navy uh, Marine aviators allegedly sexually assaulted and harassed 83 women and seven men, forced them to go. walk the gauntlet, and basically the scandal broke, and the Navy blamed Top Gun for the movie uh, for the incident of like the behavior of the. Um, there you go. The that would do it. That would do, and it. they're like, we don't want to fund this movie anymore. So, <laughs> did this did th- did that start the trend of government officials just blaming media for anything that happened? I think that's in always the, been that, a thing. I feel like in the '90s and early 2000s, it was very much more prominent. Well, yeah, yeah, especially with like the Mortal Kombat of and, it Col- all and Col- like, Columbine, yeah. and and then Grand Theft Auto. All the, yeah. it just gets pegged on video games and movies. It's like. Man, they're they are two to fifteen hours, depending on your experience. There's a lot more going on than behind that yeah. skull than just Top Gun. Yeah, to, exactly. To 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 make that. Um, but yeah, uh, Top Gun. Any <laughs> final thoughts, Tom? Once again, we want to thank you guys for listening. You know, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cinepod. Uh, leave us a five star review on Apple, Spotify, and we're on Stitcher now too. And next week we're doing what? Pretty Women? I believe it's Pretty Women. Yeah. Oh wait, I forgot to give this movie an award. I distinguished an award for it. Dweller Age. This is the first movie to ever win an L. Ron Hubbard award. The haven't seen it. L. Ron Hubbard award. We're giving it. The fuck was that? Out of <laughs> that that is him at the Scientology meeting going to L. R. H. He he literally. Have you oh, ever that's Tom Cruise right there? I've, yeah, that was in the that was in the audio montage. That's I've never this, seen it. That's you. I, I'm gonna send it to you. You have to see it. It is okay. Bananas. It <laughs> bananas. is wild. But yeah. anyway, but uh, we're gonna come back. Pretty to woman. You. Pretty woman. Pretty yeah. woman, come my way. Um, we're gonna have to cover another Seinfeld actor because George is in this movie. So yes, that is very true. So please follow us on social media. Give us a like and a subscribe. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week.